0: Welcome to episode 11 of The Wizard Files, a special interview series where we go behind the scenes with former staff members of Wizard Magazine. Joining us this time around is a writer, an impromptu office tour host, and all-around nice guy. Please welcome to the show, Kyle Figley! Yo, what's going on? Hey, glad to have you with us here. You know, we we recently got to share a video of you walking around the wizard offices, a little bit of a wackiness going on there. Uh, Before we get into the main conversation, I figure we just start up top with that, because a lot of our listeners know you from that. What do you remember about that particular experience? (sighs) That video took maybe like... Two full work weeks to shoot,
1: and I had to have the same shirt on the whole time. So like, I would just always wear some T-shirt to work, and then when it was time, I'd be like changing to the same. And by the end of the two weeks, that green polo was pretty disgusting, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, you just had to do what you had to do to get it done. That was fun. I've listened to some of the other guys on the the podcast. I haven't listened to everybody, but we used to have informally everybody that would write anything that needed to be funny was called Team Comedy. And uh, John Gutierrez, who worked at Toy Fair, was one of the guys who was really the the leader of that video uh, write up um, but there wasn't any dialogue written it was just like bits that they had gotten together and then you know the anime insider people will have a, a ninja sword fight and one will kill the other and so we just had every day i had to wake up and get to work on time which was not always my strongest suit and then i would get there and then at some point dan riley would walk in and be like all right you gotta put the shirt on and then i would just go <laughs> do something else out of sequence and then i was you know like and i think kropanek who put it together they were relatively new at the time and we were relatively new to doing video stuff like that at the time and so when it came together i was like oh holy shit This is actually funny. Like, it worked. I was very surprised.
0: Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. And I love how you had basically your host uniform. That was the uh, comics journalist equivalent of a tuxedo, you know? Yeah.
1: I don't think there was any pre-planning. I think the day we started shooting, I had that shirt on. And then when we realized it was going to take much longer, it was like, well, keep that shirt here. (laughs) (laughs) though."
0: By the way, you did a wonderful job on that. You were a great host for just being selected to to fill that role, so that's wonderful. Uh, but, you know, now we kind of want to go back to the beginning, you know, and understand how comics entered your life, and really, what was your early experience in reading Wizard Magazine?
1: I was super into comics when I was very young, and I say that, I mean, like, I was into newspaper comics a lot when I was really little, and uh, I, the way I got into, like, superhero comics and into comic books was because even when I was, I was probably younger than my kid is now it's maybe five and i would watch the adam west batman show and uh take it 100 percent seriously i thought it was just the most dangerous thing on television so from then i was i was like a batman kid even before the tim burton movie came out and that came out when i think it was in fourth grade maybe third grade and of course you know you guys were tweeting about this the other day uh on your twitter account but like batmania took over the world and like all of a sudden like the thing that i liked was the coolest thing in america and so uh that like really cemented it in terms of me like going to the comic store every wednesday and buying stuff you know but i always kept up with it as much stuff as i could I, I read the superior stuff and then as as i learned that there was like indie comics and black and white comics and i read bone and poison elves and and cerevis and and you know whatever but it was rare that that stuff would always show up you know you get like one issue of usagi yojimbo every four months in flint michigan where i was living but i was always super into comics and, and my brother and i both collected a, a ton of stuff and i always had professionally was that was my ambition to do that from when i was really young like when anytime there was a thing at school where you had to like make a t-shirt of what you wanted to be when you grow up or do a speech contest that mcdonald's would give you money for because you were living in a terribly poor community, like, I would always be like, I want to make comics. That was the thing. And so I started reading Wizard, you know, pretty... Early in the magazine's run, I guess within the first two years or so, I don't remember what the first issue. I think the first issue that we had in my house was when Sam Keith did a cover for the Max, which, and uh, uh, we didn't start buying regularly till maybe like the 30s. I remember the uh, the Dark Horse Legend Jam cover was one of the ones where like right from there on for a long time, I had like every issue Wizard. My brother and I would would I think we would kind of alternate who bought it because we only had so much money to take the comic shop each time we went, and it was like when a new Wizard was like, "Do you have an extra five bucks this time? Okay, you're gonna buy it." But then we kept them on a shelf together. It was a collaborative effort on our part, and I read it for a super long time. Uh, and i think i had dropped off reading wizard itself by the time i was in college and by the time i I first started like talking to people over there too but uh yeah i was i was in the magazine for a long run i think
0: yeah that's great that's wonderful and i'm sure my co-hosts right on the same wavelength with you watching batman 66 loving batman and then all of a sudden the world is saying yeah batman's awesome yeah i I was always here i i always loved it guys no (laughs) get out of here nerd (laughs) kids
1: today who have all this superhero stuff do not only know what it was like when like to find something that was comic or superior was like a rare treat that you could find out in culture, but also like how big that Batman movie was. Dudes were getting the bat symbol shaved into their fade, you know, like it was everywhere you looked.
0: It was definitely intense. Now, so you were talked a little bit about getting to college, dropping off a little bit. Now, according to the archives here, your first appearance of the Wizard Masthead as an intern was the Best of 2005 issue had a January 2006 cover date where you got bylines for coverage of a, a new star wars series from dark horse martial arts storylines and marvel comics and a live action painkiller jane tv movie on the oh, sci-fi yeah. channel
1: <laughs> wow i had forgotten about the painkiller jane tv movie because then they later on made a tv series but it was a different actress mm-hmm. yeah and i you know that star wars comic star wars rebellion by rob williams and brandon bedow and uh, i'm still friends with rob williams that was like one of the first people i ever talked to for wizard oh wow um, the first person I ever talked to for Wizard was Bill Sienkiewicz, which was a really intense first interview to do as like the first day on the job is called Bill Sienkiewicz on the phone. And then but that only ran on the website. And back then there was no like the, the Wizard website existed, but it was not really a new site. And then every once in a while they would just throw something up, up there for some rent. And somehow somebody was like, well, you're gonna call Bill Sienkiewicz now. And there's a lot of other stuff I wrote in that issue. I remember because it was the the 2005 previews, so, like the main feature of the issue was just lots of little sidebar things about stuff coming up. And I, you know, they were just give me like 17 names and email. They'd be like, here are the people you got to contact. So I think I talked to Kirkman that first month, because that was right when The Walking Dead was first hitting. Like, the governor had just showed up. And the person I remember talking to most during that was um, I got Mark Wade on the phone. And I was super stressed out. Like, I just started the job, and it was, like, like so much. And I was, like, a little overwhelmed. And, and Mark was like, hey, how you doing? How's it going over there? And I was like, oh, it's going okay. Like, I got a lot. We're doing this preview issue, and, like, I got, like, 10,000 people. So I really have you called. And Mark was like, oh, bullshit, man. I used to have to put the Amazing Heroes summer preview special together by myself <laughs> And so, but there was a real moment of chagrin there for that. But yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome. So it sounds like you know, as reported in the masthead, you started as an intern. So how did you become aware of that being a possibility for it? you? Said it was a long time goal. So did you reach out to them? Did you see it offer somewhere else?
1: well really what happened was when i was in college the first thing that i i ever did professionally in comics was that i was an intern at dc and that was in the summer of 2002 and the reason i had gotten that internship at dc was because of an article at wizard i don't think i was reading the magazine regularly at the time but i i got it one day maybe it was because there was a blurb about get a job in comics on the cover of the magazine might have been the one that did it and it was you know just here's how people break in and it also had a a sidebar element but it was was on the bottom it ran along the bottom and it was like if you want to get get an internship anywhere in comics here's the person you write a physical letter to at every company and it was just some of them had an actual name of a person and some of them had just care of human resources at warner brothers whatever it was and so that summer so it was the summer i guess this was this issue must have been in 2001 summer of 2001 i wrote emails to marvel and dc and marvel got back to me and was like we've already got our interns for the summer but keep in touch let me know um that woman's name was Patty something. Now I remember, I only ever emailed this person 20 years ago and I remember her <laughs> name still. And so DC never got back to me, because DC was it was Warner Brothers, it was like a black hole. You just wrote internship coordinator on an envelope and just sent it into the black hole. And so I didn't get anything that summer. And then the next summer I was like, all right, I'm really gonna do this. So I took that issue of Wizard, and I sent a letter to every single thing that was listed in there. So I sent a letter to Marvel, DC, Archie, Top Cow, I, and I sent an email to Wizard, and I emailed a couple other places. And at the time, some places got back to me, Tor Books sent me, they were like, read this 500 page uh, hard sci-fi novel by Vernor Vinge and give us your thoughts on it in four days. And then we'll decide if you're an intern. And I was like, I don't think we're going to do this one. <laughs> and Marvel, the woman, had changed jobs several times. And it was a different person in HR who was doing it. And eventually they stopped responding to me. So I heard nothing from Marvel. And then Joe Yanarella, who was the managing editor at Wizard, wrote me back and was like, hey, uh, we're happy to have you as a summer intern at Wizard. The rule is you have to find a way to get here and find a place to live and pay for yourself to live there. And if, I don't know if the other guys have said, but Congress, where Wizard was situated, is north of New York City. And there's, n- <laughs> there's not really much there. So you had to have money to to be able to and then the other guys who i later learned who i met there like tj deach and ricky purden and the guys who were summer interns in the summers around the same time they somehow got hooked up informally that there was a house and it was just like every summer somebody from wizard was living there and i but i was never a a, a part of that circle for whatever reason so i was kind of like what am i going to do i I can't get to to um, congress new york with the money i have in my pocket and then dc called me back out of the like i sent a, a letter in the black hole to dc human resources care of warner brothers and then somebody called and was like yeah like we got your resume. Like, do you want to do an interview? And so then I, I did that interview and I got that job all over the phone. And I went to New York. My uncle lived on Long Island and stayed with him for the summer. And I would take the train into Manhattan every day. And I did the D.C. thing, which was super cool. And then um, when I graduated, I was like, OK, I got to find a job. So I moved back to New York and was living on Long Island again. With my uncle. And like the first time I went there for the D.C. internship, it was like you have a 12 week internship. Maybe it's less than maybe it was like a 10 week internship in the middle of the summer. And my uncle's like, and then you're going to be gone. I was like, yeah. And the second time I moved there, I graduated. I just lived at his house for. Eight months rent free. What's I just that? couldn't get a job anywhere, and it was. I was going into Manhattan every day, and I was. I was taking interviews at. I you know I wanted to work in book publishing. I wanted to work in children's publishing, and I kind of thought like those are my two passions: with like comics. And then in college, I discovered that I was into children's books, and I wanted to do that. And I was like, well, I'll just apply everywhere, and if I get a job in one. like I get a job in book publishing, then I'll try to like write some comic stuff on the side and and do that freelance. And if I get a job in comics and editorial like I'll work on a novel or something. And instead I got a job at Wizard, which is like the worst of both worlds because it was both an office job in comics and it was a job where I had to take shit home and write it every night. So I could not I had no time to work on a novel because it was just constantly churning out copy for the magazine. When I moved back, I still had Joe Yannrell's email and he was like, well, yeah, if you can get here. But first I think he he asked me, I emailed him at college, I'm rambling now, but at college I had done this article. I, I wasn't a journalism major. I was an English major, and I had a great professor. I had to take journalism classes as a minor because you couldn't only take arts classes. And I was like, I'm not taking math, and I'm not taking business. <laughs> like I was. I could only ever do writing, and I was like, what's not in the arts college that's on campus? Oh, there's a journalism school in a different department. And so I took a few journalism classes, and I had a great professor whose name was Bill McWhirter, and he was a foreign correspondent at Time Magazine for many years, and then he retired and started teaching at Michigan State, where I was, and was just a weird guy who would show up in drag and, and in costume and pretend to be interviewed, and just was like an insane man who was really, really nice and ran a great room. And in that that class was magazine writing, and he ran it, and he, the way he said, he does, when you guys get out there and you're working at a magazine, every month... You got to get in the conference room and you're all going to sit around a table and you're going to have to pitch your ideas. And so he would make us sit there and just like whatever our idea was for an article would be open season for anybody to shoot down or say, this is stupid or you got to do this. But it was exactly what ended up happening when I went to Wizard, too. So it was like the world's best training. But in that class for him, I had written you had to write different things. And I had to do a profile of somebody. And so I had just been getting into children's book stuff. And I wrote a profile of uh, the comic writer, Jay Torres, who I don't know if you know any of his stuff. He wrote a lot of stuff for Oni for a long time. But he did like middle now middle grade graphic novels are this huge thing in publishing. And he did stuff like that at indie publishers before anybody was doing it. And he wrote the Teen Titans Go comic that was based on the first Teen Titans animated series for a while. And I really liked his stuff. And I was getting into kids stuff. So I like contacted him. and I would written this article. And so when I graduated, I moved to New York. I was trying to get a job in publishing. And I just was like, oh, I still got this guy's email from Wizard. Like, I'll just email email him this article I wrote about Jay Torres and see if I can get like a couple hundred bucks out of them for it. Like maybe we'll <laughs> run this. And so I emailed and he was like, no, we, we're not going to buy this. Um, but there was a job at um, InQuest Gamer and it was to be the video games editor at InQuest Gamer. And he's like, we really need to fill the position. Like we'll we'll take you sight unseen. You had an internship at DC. You seem like you know what's going on. Like, do you want it? And I was like, I don't know shit about video games. I never <laughs> I didn't own a video game system. I knew nothing about anything at InQuest. I never played Magic. I never I, I did d and a little but like there was no chance I was gonna be able to Work there and I was like I'm sorry I can't do that job uh, but we kind of stayed an email touch and I was there at my uncle's for months and months and could not get a job and finally he was like hey we're going to do a new a winter internship instead of a summer and it was paid and I had just actually just taken a job at Borders Books in, in Columbus Circle in Manhattan and it was a miserable miserable job working at the bookstore working right next to Trump Tower at the corner of Central Park and I was like yeah I'll take anything and so the internship for the winter paid $75 a day and when you took the $75 a day five days a week it averaged out to I made like 20 $12 more a week than I did at the bookstore making minimum wage. that was like oh i'm gonna make just enough better but i had to get up and drive and this is the thing i didn't want to do when i had not taken the wizard internship the previous summer because i had to drive from long island and i had to go if you know the map in new york right long island is out to the east and i had to drive in around manhattan north and then up to the palisades where congress was and it was like an hour 45 minute commute every day when i started at wizard but it was like i couldn't get a job anywhere else so i just did it
0: so i'm curious talking about the dc internship and then the wizard internship what was the main difference because sounds like at wizard you were writing at dc what were you doing
1: uh so at dc i would do weird little research behind the scenes stuff so in the basic sense most of what you do a writer is like coming onto a book and they like nowadays this is all digital but at the time it was like okay i want to write a book I'm, I'm writing a jsa book or whatever and like i have I, m- I remember this character from back then but i don't know what it is. And is they're like oh yes that was when wally wood drew the the all-star squadron in the late 70s and we have that bound in hardcover in the dc library here and they're like intern make a photocopy of every issue of like eight issues. Straight of this comic and then staple them and then mail them off to this writer in Nebraska. So, some of it was just little stuff like that. I would do like ballooning on issues. So, like, um I I, I, did a, I remember doing a lot of ballooning that they actually used for the Justice League Adventures book that Adam Beechin was writing. And um but the, the art comes in. I mean, this is 2002, so like there was digital stuff and there was digital coloring, but people were not emailing giant files all the time. Like the art still came in most of the time from freelancers in FedEx. So you'd get the art in and then you'd have the script and you'd make a photocopy of the art and you'd have to. The editors always do this. And comics they have to go around and place where the balloons are going to be you know the artist tries to to leave some kind of guideline but once it's inked like the editor's there to make sure the letter knows what to do and so steve wacker who was the editor of justice league adventures would always just be like hey balloon all these issues for me but steve's a great editor and i love him he would correct me sometimes too but he was always just be like other people were like you can do this as a practice learn how we do it and then steve would be like just i need this done (laughs) and so i do weird stuff like that the guy who was my uh, direct supervisor at dc is a great guy named ivan cohen who worked at dc for many years and then when dc moved out west he he left staff but he's been writing kids books he writes scooby-doo and he writes looney tunes comics and he but he just created this new character that was like the storm of the internet kid quick the gender non-binary member of the justice league that's in the future state i don't know if you're following the stuff that's going on right now but like this i was amazed that ivan he's been writing scooby-doo comics for like 12 years now and now he's got like the hot new character of 2020 was wild created so i'm very happy for him but ivan was my direct supervisor there he was mike carlin's assistant at the time when mike carlin was executive editor this was before didio came into dc and ivan worked on the secret files and origins issues so i would do a lot of stuff for those like getting art reference together and like helping uh, give layouts to when they do like um, i remember we did one on green arrow and it was right after kevin smith had come on a green arrow and like when he came back from the dead he had like a an arrow that was like a bleach bottle full of shit and like weird stuff because he was living in an alleyway and we did like a <laughs> A spread of like all of green arrows trick arrows but included all those weird things and I like Ivan and I laid that out set off for the artist to be drawn so it was, that was pretty cool stuff I mean it was nothing you got credit for you were doing nothing really creative but you were just like helping like all the people who make comics like keep the trains running and putting it all together and wizard was a job but they didn't want to call it a job because they did not want to give you health insurance and so but like I said it paid better than minimum wage because the other thing like DC I got college credit I got four credits towards my degree for that and wizard maybe wizard would fill out paperwork for people who come in for credit but they didn't give a shit if you were coming in for credit like they just needed a warm body to call mark wade on the phone
0: and so when you get to wizard after the long kind of back and forth will i won't i and you arrive there what was the office culture like for you and what was maybe the most exciting experience during that rookie year when it was all so new
1: Well, the fun thing about that year was that there was, like I said, it was the winter internship, and apparently for quite a time before me and the other two people who were interns with me arrived, they had a string of terrible interns, just like complete incompetence who would come in, especially that summer before. I don't know if any of the other guys have told you about that. Used to be we got we go to the bar and they would like talk about famous terrible interns. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the one that I I wish I met this guy I never did was Manturn, who like sent in his resume to Joe Yannerel's like I really like to come to an internship magazine I'm a college sophomore like sure come and he was like 46 years old <laughs> he, like it's like great if you're going back to school or whatever but like you might want to mention your life experience up to like the the four decades you've been on planet Earth before but just like. <laughs> people can assume that you're 19 and just say i'm a college sophomore so manturn was like there before me and was kind of weird and there are some other people who had not been so hot and so i came in and it was me a guy named dave Podgy, who everybody who was in my group eventually came back and worked full time at the magazine so dave eventually became the price guide editor at wizard for many years and dave he's the librarian now in new york and he's very low-key quiet but super sarcastic super funny guy and then angela hansen who ended up being an editor at anime insider and she was there to be an anime insider intern but also did stuff at wizard and then dave and i both worked on wizard but when we came in that winter, they were like, "Oh yeah, we got a kitchenette upstairs that's around the corner from accounting that people used to make coffee in, and there are there are kitchen cupboards all through it, but all that is is photo reference. <laughs> so it was like the storage room that had a kitchen counter in it, and they just put a table and a bunch of old like lime green those big Macs, those desk Macs from from the turn of the millennia. And uh, but so we were up there in like the intern kitchen by ourselves for a while, which was really great. I mean, I love both those guys, and we had a great time. But I also remember like as we got into to it like slowly, the guys of the magazine being like, Oh my god, we have competent interns for once, like, we can actually get them to do real work for us. And so, it was pretty fun that year, but it was weird. I there was a disconnect for those first many several months that I was there as an intern because we didn't really sit with the rest of editorial. And like, some days I'd just show up and I'd go up in that room, and me and Dave would sit there and like listen to records and goof off. And then I'd be like, Okay, I emailed a bunch of shit off, and then I'd leave. I wouldn't see anybody else,
0: but it was good. And uh, do you recall like kind of the big aha, I'm in comics journalism now, like, was there a big moment for? For you that stood out where you're like oh i get to do this or i get to talk to this person i mean obviously you broke in talking to mark wade among others but
1: yeah yeah it's kind of weird really i guess i benefited from the fact that i had been at dc before and a lot of my real big fanboy freak out like don't make an ask yourself moments <laughs> like this is so stupid to say god rest his soul but like i met Danny o'neill that summer when i was at dc and Danny o'neill was like a god to me you know like i read every issue all his issues from the 70s at that point and like all the bane stuff and his novelization of nightfall and, and then like the first day i was in the building at dc with Danny o'neill's when he walked up to me next to me at the urinal and i was freaking out like holy shit Danny o'neill's peeing <laughs> next to me and, and I, I just stood there he went and washed his hands and left i just stood there at the urinal i couldn't die. i was like don't say anything to him in the bathroom don't say anything to him in the bathroom when he left and i was like okay thank god you didn't make an idiot of yourself so by the time i got to wizard i didn't have as many like starstruck moments i guess maybe because of that and i was really trying to be more of a professional and the idea of being a journalist was difficult because you know like i, like I said i took a couple of classes but i never worked at a newspaper of any kind in my life i never i'd never done anything like that really i was a writer but i, I didn't really have reporters chops there was a steep learning curve for me sometimes sometimes i call somebody up and i get a quote and be like oh this is a, a fine thing to run and then later on I, I would be like oh wait that pissed off somebody else and i get angry phone calls from editors at marvel or dc or something about something i'd written and i, I it really took me a minute to be like okay i've got to be like i've got to have a much lighter touch and realize when you know stuff's going to get in trouble i remember i the one of the things that caught the internet on fire early on in my first year at wizard was i did an interview with alex ross who will- He'll talk and talk and talk he really is like me is is a rambler and we were talking about he was doing covers for the jsa revival that he was doing for jeff johns and made a comment about obsidian who was alan scott's son from infinity inc and was in the jsa and about how obsidian they they had revealed years later after the characters created they revealed that obsidian was gay to add a little bit of diversity to it and alex briefly alluded to this i really think he meant like i don't like how they change his costume or something like that like because he's a guy who's like the original version is the best version i'm alex ross you've seen these, these paintings he does Right. Like yeah. he's very much of these traditionalist on stuff, but people thought that he was really had took an issue with the fact that Obsidian was made gay in the book. And it it was all over the internet when this published. And when Alex Ross's wife calls me up and she's like Alex needs to give another statement about this to clarify what he said. And so like stuff like that like it hadn't occurred to me to really follow up and pry on that a little bit when he said it and I, I felt stupid afterwards and people on the internet were like this is not this sounds pretty offensive and I was like shit it does. Like this is my fault. I whiffed on that.
0: Speaking of controversy, I have a quick question for you. So we got into a little bit of controversy with Rob Liefeld but you know who hasn't uh, but he, he got pretty mad at us and as I was listening to his podcast one of the main criticisms he lobbed at the staff of Wizard is that you were all frustrated comic book writers kids who could never get into the industry so you were bitter and that's why you were you know taking shots at all these creators and it was something that you know at least as far as the interviews we've come through you know uh, the Wizard Files here everybody was a journalism major or an English major and just wanted to get into writing for a magazine. Like nobody has ever expressed an interest in actually making comics. Did you find that to be the case about your coworkers? Did anybody have the ambition, like, oh, I'm gonna use this to springboard into making comics?
1: No, I've met plenty of people like that in comics journalism. And it, I guess it's been one of the weird things for me in that, you know, I i was a fiction writer and I was not a journalism guy. I and I was one of the few guys that, that I think did come directly from that background. But I had to get to the point where I said, I've got to draw a line You're like that was one of the things I knew right when I started at Wizard. And, and I think when I was an intern, I didn't think about it as much because I'll just do this for a couple months or whatever, and then I'll find a job. You know, I, I thought I'd probably get a, a job at editorial. I went on interviews at a lot of places and just never had anything click all the way. But I always thought I was going to move on to do fiction stuff. But once I officially took a job at Wizard, which I'll tell you a story about that in a minute, when I went from intern to full-time employee, it was very bizarre. But, you know, I had to say to myself, OK, like I can never pitch anybody at Marvel and DC while I'm doing this work. And now I'm at the point years later, I end up doing this work much longer. I thought I did this for a year or so. I ended up doing this for a decade and i'm even at the point now where like i can't imagine going to marvel to dc on those on those monthly books or whatever and being like hey i got an idea for a spider-man arc like you know like it just it wouldn't be professional when i was doing that and now at the point i'm so far away from it that like i don't think professionally that's something that i'd be super interested on in doing on but for the most part i think you're right that like most of the guys weren't like struggling would-be comic book writers you know i do think some of the guys who were the original og wizard staffers you know they did black bull which is before before my time at wizard when black bull happened yeah and i know that pat did writing for that and i don't know if brian did writing for that i mean they brought pal wrote some of those books and some other people but you know those guys i think in some ways did have ambitions or at least their criticisms were more like i could do this better in some ways i think there was a very famous article that was a couple of years before i think it was when i was in college ultimate marvel had hit and they did an ultimate spider-man and stuff and wizard did their this is this is our ultimate dc this is how dc dc should redo their line right. and that was like a famously kind of controversial article and i think in some ways there was some of that in the staff but i don't think anybody was really like well i should be doing this instead and I'm bitter about it like I just think it was just like the natural way that like they thought of comics in some way some of the people there and that was particularly in the 90s and but you know also I mean I like Rob I don't know Rob well I've interviewed him a number of times he's always been good I like his books you know like I do think like in some ways reading Wizard as a young man did like over influence me to be like Rob Liefeld sucks man he yeah. can't drop meat. it's bullshit but like I don't think that's true I really don't think that's true I look at his his art now and I just bought his new uh his new Snake Eyes book the other day he's highly stylized in a way that is like it's super unique to him him but like it works and i think i think kids like it a lot i mean it's very dynamic and i think i love that he's out there i love that he has his pod. i love that he's starting fights with you guys at the wizard podcast (laughs) (laughs) like it's just let Rob be Rob, you know? Yeah. Like At some point, every you, you might piss him off, and then you're just going to live with it, and it's fine. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's just Rob like, tweeting all day.
0: Yeah, we, we have fun with it. He always brings some excitement to the comics world.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. He is, like, he just, he just like, turns up the volume in any room he's in. But I do, like, the Wizard guys, one of the famous early Wizard things, I don't know if you guys have gotten to this issue in your, in your reread. A couple of years ago, we did a panel for the 25th anniversary of Wizard at New York Comic Con. That's on YouTube, if you haven't seen it. You'd enjoy it.
0: Yeah, we got to check that out.
1: And when we did it, I scanned a bunch of issues to make a PowerPoint presentation for that, that thing. And the article that they did was Pat and Steve Blackwell, who I think follows you guys on Twitter, too. Steve yep. was there for maybe longer than almost anybody as the head designer of the magazine. And they had done this article that was like, make a 90s superhero. And it, like, it was like paper dolls with just like way too many muscles and then pouches that you could put on it and stuff. And like a <laughs> choose your own backstory. It's really funny. But it's also like a direct attack on Rob Liefeld's whole style of making comics. Like it was like they had read a bunch of extreme. Dream Studios books and they were like nope and then they just made fun like mercilessly made fun of it and it's really funny and when when Steve Blackwell left I was still there when Steve finally left uh, Wizard which was right before I, I got got dropped and somebody had framed that article for Steve and given it to him as his going away present because
0: they knew it was
1: like the meanest thing they'd ever done was making <laughs> that thing that made fun of Rob but they loved it
0: so, so not totally unfounded that he was a, a punching bag and a punchline for the yeah
1: I, mean, I understand why Rob does not like Wizard i'd say for sure and sometimes you get i remember i won't say who i'll be nice because this person is generally nice he's not acting like rob out in the public but there was another guy of similar vintage who was a 90s guy and i once when i was pretty new as an intern or something it was just a news article you know the news section of the beginning of magazine just had these little postage stamp size write-ups and you'd either talk to a guy for three minutes or send two questions by email and just write up what's happening in the book and this was a guy who was big in the 90s and was writing a book at the time and one of the other guys was like "Hey, email this dude you know him and i was like i don't really know him, but i know his work so i emailed like hey it's kyle from wizard like we're going to do an article on this book you're doing like you might answer a few questions and the email i got back was oh i just love it every eight years when somebody at wizard magazine remembers that i'm alive <laughs> was such an asshole about it when he wrote me back and all his answers were super sarcastic i could barely use anything he gave me in the actual magazine in the end because like he had beef from back in the day so you you would get that pushback from guys every once in a while
0: yeah especially again after all those years you know a decade on and now you know they've you know burned some bridges here and there they've upset some people there's there's a whole history there that you weren't involved in necessarily and yet yeah, yeah you, you get the wrath now speaking of which you know you were talking about the, these long timers and one major player wizard who we really haven't had much discussion about in this series is pat mccallum and i'm just very curious on your take what was pat's involvement in your day-to-day work how would you describe him as you know a boss
1: pat was like the mysterious king on the mountain when i came to wizard i never ever interacted with him as an intern he had a corner office which was like an office slash conference we had the biggest office in the building and like people would go in there for like story meetings that would be hashed out and i was not involved with those meetings team comedy would go in there and write all the funny stuff because pat was the editor-in-chief and he really i mean i got to respect pat over the years i was there when i really realized how much he creatively shaped the voice of all those magazines and so he was always co-writing twisted toy fair theater and he was those coming up with the main cover features for any issue of any magazine so you know he had a, a firm hand in everything they did but like as an intern like i never talked to him and then even when i got hired on as a as a staff writer i did not deal with pat we would have wizard staff meetings where it would be you know the all the editors all the managing editors the three staff writers wizard had the biggest staff out of all the magazines they built in. anime insider only had like three people toy for only had like three people Inquest the same way uh, wizard had like nine or eleven people or something like that it was it was the flagship in size and shape and so but we'd have meetings meetings. meetings we pitched up for what the various features would be and then i really think that would all go through to brian cunningham and then he would take it to pat and then pat would sometimes just rip it up and be like no we're doing this instead and so pat was somebody i didn't talk to a lot until i had one really bad interaction with pat where you know over time as i was working there wizard i moved out of my uncle's house finally and i got a place in new york and i was living in washington heights which is you know really high up in manhattan i lived in the 160s and i would drive across the george washington bridge every morning and i would drive up the palisades park we call it the reverse commute I would leave Manhattan in the morning and then come back in the night, which most people don't. But I was living there. I was incredibly poor. Wizard never paid a lot of money. You know, I just moved to New York City, the most expensive place to live in America almost. And my girlfriend at the time came out and we were living there. And so I didn't have a cable. I mean, people still have phones in their apartment back then. I had nothing like that. And I didn't have the internet. You know, I would just go home after the day at Wizard and I would just like we had an antenna and I would watch scratchy TV and, and antenna and do whatever I was doing and then I would go back. And so when the Wizard website finally started up, we did a Thursday morning quarterback. I know Wormuth talked about this when you talked to him. Like it was the the website really got built up and we actually had a web presence, which happened over the time after I had gotten there. They finally were like, oh, wait, Newsram and CBR are kicking our ass all day. We need to do something about this. And so uh, Thursday morning, books, everybody would read books on Wednesday, right when they came out and they would have like a meeting in Pat's office and people would like shoot the breeze on it and say what they thought. And then they would write it up as like a transcript, but it wasn't like a, a transcribed transcript. It was like Pat would just take notes on a notepad, like in shorthand as everybody was doing it. And then he would write up by his memory what people said and then email it out to everybody and they would like say oh I, I would rather say what i said like this or whatever and i i had never done this for some reason well thursday morning quarterback started i had other responsibilities i was never in on it and then one day he was like hey i need you come in an, on wednesday and, and and do the books or whatever and this is this was when civil war was coming out But we did it and then i went home and i went to bed and i did my thing and pat sent me like 14 emails that night like i need your notes back on this fucking article where are you and i got in late the next morning as i often did driving in from manhattan like everybody else lived up there and i was coming in from out and i'm not a guy who shows up on time for shit in general i'll be honest with you so i showed up and Pat was on the warpath for me because he wanted Thursday morning quarterback up on Thursday morning, and it, like he needed those notes right away. And so I didn't really talk to Pat a lot unless it was like stressful moments like that. And then when Pat got let go, which was in some ways the the, the big domino that toppled towards the end of Wizard was like they fired the editor in chief. You know, I think that was probably like uh, either late 2007 or early 2008 because I didn't I wasn't there more than a year after that. It was probably 2007. now I think it was 2007. But we all went to the bar. Olives was this bar. People went to out there and that night when pat was the guy who was in charge of the the whole editorial division and got let go he was the funniest person i'd ever seen in my entire life he was not down downtrodden he was not feeling whatever about it and he was just like whatever i worked there for 13 14 years and i'm gonna do something else now and like was he was telling the funniest stories about what it was like when you think about you read wizard in the 90s and there was like we stole jim lee's bathrobe at the chicago comic-con and all these wacky hijinks that you would get the impression of that was all pat pat was the ring i mean he was the guy who was in charge and he was the ringleader of like the 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 funny shit and pranks on people upstairs and all sorts of other stuff. And he told all those stories that night. And that was really funny.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Pat's
1: a really a, a unique, interesting creative dude who I don't know well, even though, I worked, even though he was technically my boss for like two years.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Now uh, you, you alluded to this earlier. Let's talk a little bit about how your job responsibilities evolved from an intern to a contributing writer and what was your path there?
1: So I was up in the intern kitchen and when I first came in there, I remember this. I don't know if you guys would talk much about a guy who was a staff writer shortly before I was there, Rich Ho, who's a really great guy, who's in the crew of like, the egalitarian brotherhood of former Wizard magazine employees, as I call us. <laughs> and Rich now does—he writes picture books. He writes really good picture books on science and history and stuff. But Rich, when I when I got my internship, I came in for an interview. I was working at Borders, and I had two days off during the week at Borders. It was like a Wednesday and a Thursday. And so I f- drove up on those days. I was off at Borders for my tryout for an intern at Wizard, where like they had me go through the research closet and pull different art that would be used in the sidebar of the magazine and stuff like that, and just you know. Look office keeping stuff to see if i was not a psychopath and i remember that when i was there rich was the staff writer and by the time i got hired as an intern, two weeks later rich had quit and then shortly after that the, the staff writers for a while were ben morse got promoted to staff writer um, when rich left i think and then mike cotton was the staff writer and then chris ward who did magic words for a long time was a staff writer and then by the time my internship was supposed to do, be six months and chris decided to go freelance and move back to the midwest but he still did magic words even though he was no longer a staff writer then for a long time there was no third staff writer what you'd like do you need three staff writers for one comic book magazine probably not but they had always had three and so it became this thing in the office of like well are they going to replace chris there was a little office that cotton and ben and chris had been in and chris's desk just became like a desk where cotton put long boxes on when he needed (laughs) to like (laughs) organize his comic book collection on ward's old desk and so at one point like i finally i went to joe yanarella one day and i'd been there maybe like four months as an intern then and i was like hey joe you know i don't know what's up with the staff writer job but like if it's if it's happening like i would like to throw my hat in the ring and he was like don't worry like like, we're having conversations about that, and your name has come up, and I'll let you know if anything happens with that. And I was like, all right, cool, just keep me into, keep me posted. And so like another couple months went by, and there was no third staff writer. Ward just kept doing Magic Words Remote. And then one day Joe calls me into his office, and he's like, well, Kyle, I, I'm happy to report that uh, we've discussed it, and you're going to be the next staff writer here at Wizard. And I was like, great, cool. And he's like, we're doing the paperwork, health insurance, you know, you'll you'll have salary, blah 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 blah. So that'll kick in on June first, and which at that point was like six weeks away. And he's like, but I must tell you, you cannot tell anybody about this. I said. Excuse me Joe? And he's like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> This is a secret. Nobody knows that you're a staff writer, and you are not allowed to tell anybody that you are a staff writer until I give you the go-ahead. And I said, "Shit, okay, uh, fine, great." He's like, "Right, go back up to the intern kitchen." I was like, "All right." So I like continued to work as an intern for several weeks, and every once in a while, Joe would say something to me because for a while, minute, I was like, "Is he fucking with me? Like, am I? Do I not have a job? Like, it seems like I don't have a job right now." And like, I go to lunch with some of the other guys, and they were like, "Kyle, you've been an intern for like more than six months. Like, what are you doing?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I kind of thought that what happened. Was I know there was other people in the building who probably applied for the staff writer job because you know to toot my own horn about it like the staff writer job was like the desired job at Wizard to my mind in that you didn't have to do uh, a lot of like digging up like the research guys had to go up and spend chunks of their day like going through the old back issues which is fun to say that's the job like oh it sucks I got to go through these old back issues and find a bunch of old you know pictures of the Captain Marvel of the '80s or whatever like that can be fun but the staff writers like don't have to do that they don't have to stay after when the magazine was closed like when it came time to really send the magazine 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 off to the printers and you had to do it in 48 hours like people would stay until like 10 11 o'clock at night editing everything doing all the layouts they would always order pizza i would leave at 5 30 every day bye it didn't matter you know like my copy had been written which later on i learned was my mistake i should have stayed around because i'd often later get rewritten by people and i fucking hated it (laughs) the magazine would come out be like i didn't write any of this shit and when you were a staff writer like you you usually got to be a dc or marvel contact which means you got all the comps from dc or marvel they would just send you a box of everything they put out every week and you got to talk to all the big names you know i got to talk to alan moore and i was a staff writer you got to go to to movie set visits a lot of time not not only staff writers do movie set visits but like most of the time like that's the writer's job was to go do that stuff and the other people there was to edit and lay out the magazine and stuff so there was other people I think who had probably applied for the staff writer job and for a minute I thought like oh they're just gonna break it to the other guys that they didn't get the job and I understand that because i I feel bad if I applied for a job and didn't get it as well but then they never never came back and told me you can say something <laughs> it's just like like there was just like awkwardly like in this limbo state and when I finally the day I I my Staff writer status kicked in in terms of the paperwork was the first day of the Philly Wizard World Comic-Con. And at Philly was the Comic Con where everybody from Wizard would just drive down and have a party for a weekend. Because you know, Philly's not far from New York. And sometimes I think they'd get a bus, you just go down on a bus, and then you just hang out at a hotel. And like people worked at the show and stuff, obviously, but most of the time you're just getting drunk at the hotel bar. And so I went down for the show and they set up like a little office, like an ops office, and they hooked up the internet. Because Wi-Fi wasn't everywhere yet. So they had like a-, a router and stuff in this room somewhere in the convention center. And all the people who worked upstairs, the advertising people and the business people and the convention people are like hey kyle you're the new staff writer aren't you well welcome aboard to the team great to have you and i was like great and all the people that i worked with every day that i knew personally had no fucking clue and so like i had to break it to people at the bar then i remember i was talking to ben morse who's one now is one of my best friends and uh he was talking to jeff johns at the bar and i walked up and he was like oh hey, yeah, kyle this is jeff johns You really guys should meet jeff this is one of our entrants kyle and i went actually ben i'm a staff writer and starting today when we get back on monday i'm gonna be sitting next to you in that office and ben went excuse me <laughs> like later on at that night ben came back to me he was like i would like to apologize for the way i reacted when you told me you got that job like it took me off guard and i was like it's really weird why didn't they tell anybody so yeah so that was my transition into being a staff writer
0: that's wild. yeah the undercover staff writer curious here for you, you you're mentioning conventions here how involved were you on the convention side do you have a a favorite story or celebrity sighting that uh, won't get you in too much trouble
1: <laughs> like the conventions are always there and as writers we, we got to go. I mean, the, the convention was probably the best time of the year for us because we just got to go there and goof off. Eventually, like when the website really started up, we'd have to go and cover panels and write them up and it became more like a job. But for the first year I was there, conventions for the actual st- like all you'd have to do is work the wizard wheel. I don't know if anybody else has mentioned the wizard wheel, but they would, like every convention that Wizard had, they would have a booth for a wizard. And there was this big wheel and we would spin it. It was like the price is right or something. And it would stop on and it would have like a trivia question, physical challenge, or like all these goofy things. And fans would come and wait in line. And if you were a magazine staffer, you would have to do like a two hour stint where you sat at the wheel, and whatever they you'd spin and whatever they'd get, you'd have to ask them. It's sort of they could get a big prize, but most of the time it involved them having to answer a trivia question. And so we just had to, off the top of our head, just think of stupid trivia about comics and stuff, because we were supposed to be the experts. We were the people who worked at Wizard <laughs> Magazine. You know? And so conventions were fun just for that. I don't think I was there for this, but I remember for a long time the fun game that they would play was, uh, you know, Lou Ferrigno. He charged you for everything. Like, if you wanted Lou Ferrigno to touch you, that was a dollar. And if you wanted Lou Ferrigno to sign something, that was $5. You wanted a photo of Lou Ferrigno, that was fifty dollars like that's how he made his money was i set it up this booth and so they used to do this thing where like they would walk up to Ferrigno, and one guy would stand next to him with the booth and the other guy would take the photo and then they would run in opposite directions and see who Ferrigno chased down (laughs) (laughs) love it so that's what conventions are like most of
0: the time yeah okay now i'm curious you know we talked about pat earlier and he you already said you know he was somebody you you barely got to see but i'm curious for you Garib sheamus Cool or fool? <laughs> uh,
1: Garib Seamus. It's funny because now I, I guess I do know Garib a little. I bet if I saw him, he knew who I was. But when I worked there, he had no idea. Every time I talked to him, it's the same thing he said was, Hi, I'm Garib. Who are you? <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. I think actually Garib got to know who I was after I was in those videos. That Like the video office tour and stuff like that. But note, Garib was not in the video office tour at all because Garib did anything with the magazines, really. Like Garib, especially the time I was there was when Garib was like trying to launch the next phase of his business and empire and so the conventions were going as what they were and they had the web store which one of the many reasons why the wizard website failed and why wizard failed as an entity I, I think you'd say is because they couldn't stop being a store that was manipulating things to make money on ebay and just be a publisher or a journalistic enterprise or even a convention enterprise like any of those different businesses could be a business on their own but they always tried to use the magazines and the conventions to leverage their ability to sell shit online because that you know they came from a retail background and it was like well this is just us ripping people off and after the '90s ended and it was much harder to rip people off selling comic books for way too much money, they were just ruthlessly dedicated to that business model. Um, but Garib tried to also do other things. And when I was there, the thing Garib was trying to do was that he was bought into this Ultimate Fighting League. I don't know if anybody talked yes, to you about. Yes, it
0: it's definitely been mentioned. <laughs> oh my
1: God! Yeah. And so, but like, we didn't know anything to do with that. So he was off doing that most of the time, and he was not in the office a lot. I think you know, Wizard had a Manhattan office as well as the Congress office. I think he was in there that much. So yeah. So I never talked to Garib. I never dealt with Garib. Years later, as Wizard. Found apart and I went on after I left wizard I was the news editor at CBR for seven years and so I would be called to report on what was going on with wizard as a company and who got laid off there and what their conventions were up to and so I interact with Garrett much more than as a member of the press when I'd be interviewing him about how, the shape of the business where he staunchly asserted that the wizard was in great shape and only great things were happening as they completely fell apart but yeah I didn't really know Garrett very well
0: well yeah so that's interesting so I'm curious as as your career was winding down at wizard what what was the state of affairs? Bears, and what was your ultimate decision what was that based on to leave oh my god
1: well it wasn't my decision <laughs> i'll say this about when i left wizard i mean again i did come from journals journalism background and i had a really steep learning curve and i had a couple hard lumps i took writing different articles and, and profiles over the years but i thought on the whole i thought i wrote pretty good stuff for the magazine and i thought i was a good interviewer and, and i th- you know like i i continue to do the job for seven years so i must have done something right with that but like they're also like as i've alluded to i did not take to being a good employee well and my argument on this front was wizard you know they paid shit and you know just weird little things about an employer and how they treat employees you know the people not the work at the magazine with me but the people higher up um the you know i was there as an intern i think it was supposed to be six month internship i think i was there like eight and a half months before i switched to staff writer that was june and then it, that christmas i was a full-time employee and then i, I got to the office like hey by the way kyle we're not giving you a christmas bonus because you have to have been here 12 months to have a christmas bonus and i was like i've been here 12 months and they're like no you've been here five months because you started in june and i was like oh well fuck <laughs> You know, and so, and like the, the health insurance was not great and the pay, the pay was gr- terrible. Years later, I did, I went on a job interview at Marvel once. I did for a job I did not get. And Dan Buckley said to me, he's like, well, thank God Wizard magazine exists because they make the opening salaries that we pay look generous in comparison. <laughs> and like Wizard was terrible about days off. They always wanted you to work at night. I mean, it was, it, it was a fun place to work and I love the people I worked there with. But like as an employer, it was not a nine to five. It was a lot more for a lot less pay. And they were like, well, you're doing this because you love comics and it's a passion. And, and if it's your passion, you should just shut up and do whatever we ask and so after a while i think i was like in open defiance on certain policies at wizard including like i'll show up whenever i want and if i want to stop working because i've been here eight hours i'm going to stop working and so i got fired and weirdly fired in a way where uh, i do feel bad for the guys who, who who were called upon to fire me because it would have been had been awkward for a while and i think like the, the budget belt was tightening because shortly after i got fired everybody got laid off anyway right like the whole enterprise started collapsing after i was there and i got brought into the office like well kyle uh we're gonna have to let you go this this is the end of for us and i said oh can i get a reason why i'm getting let go and then they said uh that's not worth getting into right now <laughs> <laughs> When are we gonna get into it you know like I'm not coming back tomorrow but to the to the credit of the guys particularly Brian Cunningham uh who's editing wizard like I got fired and I said hey can I keep writing stuff freelance particularly I had just started prelim work on an article a, a profile of Art Spiegelman uh, one of the last things I did was uh, before I got dropped was I flew out to San Francisco to go to this indie convention ape the alternative press bin. Spiegelman was there and I I, I like, recorded his lecture he gave and spoke to him and, and, and hung out around and he didn't want to do a full interview until he had a new book that was coming out and, and that was like several months later and so i had all these notes for this article that i really wanted to write because like you know i mean spiegelman's a legend and, and mouse is, is one of the great graphic novels and i like i said i've always been a comics overall guy not just a superhero guy and so i told him like hey can i still do that spiegelman interview and and do it as freelance and and brian cunningham was like yeah totally that's great let's let's do that and so after i had been fired i continued i think there was maybe one month where my pipeline wasn't in the magazine and then from there on out like for another like eight or nine issues i i always had something in the magazine every month and I, I started my freelance career and i mean you know and luckily, it was immediately as I got dropped, I called everybody that I knew in comics and said, hey, I just got dropped at Wizard. So if you know anything, because I was living in New York City and I had no job then. And one of the guys who worked at Oni Press called Jonah Weiland at CBR and was like, you got to contact Kyle. He just got dropped at Wizard and like, you need to hire him. And, and Jonah hired me that week. Um, and I freelanced for him for a while. And then by the time the Wizard Freelance had dropped off, I took the staff job at CBR and then worked there for years and years afterwards. Yeah. But when I left, it was the beginning of shit really starting to fall apart, I feel. Uh, I, w- I would be disingenuous for me to say, I got laid off in the wave of layoffs, because I definitely got I definitely got fired before the wave of layoffs began. I was
0: going to say congratulations, you're the first staffer we've talked to who was actually fired. So yeah. <laughs> you pushed yeah. him too far.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was righteous about it when I left, though, too. I was like, man, fuck this place. Uh, I mean, I love all those guys there, but it was not... I, you know, And I come from I, I said earlier, I think I'm from Flint, Michigan. And like, I'm a I'm a big union guy. And I come from a, a family of people who worked in unions. And like, I do not take well to employers. Do. This is probably why I've never had an employer since I left Wizard, really. I mean, you know, CBR, I had Jonah was my only boss. And now I write independently and I teach at colleges. But like, you know, I'm I'm like a, a person who has never been uh, at a salaried position with health insurance ever since I left Wizard. And that's been, you know, 13 years ago now. So I'm, I'm not a great employee. Ultimately, I do feel getting fired when I did was great because I didn't want to be one of the guys who was there when they were having to stop making the magazine so they could sell christmas toys on ebay to like help the company balance its books because the ultimate fighting league was a boondoggle that lost them a ton of money
0: now returning to the happier times what yeah. are some of the the swag items and the mementos that you were able to take with you if any or that you had already hoarded <laughs> by the time you were fired
1: I don't see it right now. I think it's in a plastic box next to me. I'm in my basement right now. I do have the Wizard Fan Award for X2, X-Men United, which was never claimed by anybody at Fox who produced the movie. And so I took it with I took that with me when I left. I also have a copy of Absolute Watchmen. The big, giant-ass Watchmen hardcover is somewhere in here that I got from Wizard. Wizard was, was ultimately a really fun place to work. I, I'm still super close friends with so many people that I worked there with, you know? And so, like, I, I walk away from it as an overall positive experience. It's weird now to get to the point where, like, now I write fiction and I write children's books and and I have you know I'm writing comics I have a graphic novel coming out and so that was always what I thought I was going to do it just took me 10 years of being a comics journalist before I came back and started doing that work for real but like I don't regret like some days I I, you can feel down on yourself and be like oh man I've wasted this time I should be getting more work done I should be doing cooler stuff but uh, I enjoyed being a comics journalist and I enjoyed working at wizard and uh, you know I got some of the best friends of the world out of it so it was pretty good experience
0: that's awesome so yeah so why don't you tell everybody what you're up to these days where they can find your work in uh, this upcoming graphic novel
1: yeah so the easiest way to find me is, is either on twitter or my website which is both at kyle figley which is spelled really weird if you're looking at this you can see my my odd name but mostly you know i've done children's books i got a master's degree in writing children's fiction and since then i've been doing mostly licensed books so i did like a, a a kind of paced up graphic novel based on the amazing world of gumball i did the the junior novelization for the sonic the hedgehog movie that's probably the book of mine that sold the best but i do stuff like that like movie movie tie-ins and stuff and then i have an original graphic novel coming out next year called strikers from a, a publisher called learner books which is a a, a children's publisher that mostly publishes stuff for the libraries. Like every library in America will have a copy of this book, and I, I'm hoping the bookstore distribution is going to be big. I'm going to try to promote it hardcore in comic book shops too. But it's a graphic novel. Um, it's set in Flint, my hometown, in the 1980s. Sometimes I say it's like uh, The Mighty Ducks Meets Roger and Me. Um, so it's about like a down and out hockey team in Flint when the, all the factories are closing and everybody's parents have been laid off. And so I, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with how it's turned out. My artist who's working on it with me is a guy named Jacques Corey. The, my editor hired me for this book, and we were like trying to find an artist who could do this concept. And he goes, well, well, I got one guy I've worked before. I think he's pretty good. He's French Canadian and I said, "Stop right there. He can draw a hockey comic, hire him." Hire yeah. this. <laughs> and so I just got this week layouts from Jacques for like the first 90 pages of the book. I and mean, he's he's in the process of drawing it and it's not the final art, but he's laid out all the panels and he's, you know, put in placeholder text for the for the book. He's doing all, of it. he's doing all the line work, all the coloring, all the lettering himself and he's very good at, at it. So yeah, but I think that'll come out next year sometime like fall 2022 is when they'll finally be ready to publish it. And in the meantime, I've got a couple I got another movie novel coming out from Penguin for this this Disney Fox CGI movie called Ron's Gone Wrong which I think comes out this fall.
0: So, all right. Well, you are a hero to my kids. They love the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and they are definitely glued to the tube on HBO Max watching the Amazing World of Gumball. So, I will have to uh, pick yeah. those up for them. Be like, I've talked to this guy. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. That was so much fun. Enjoyed your entertaining stories and your candor. And hey, thank you for listening. Yes, The Wizard Files is back for 2021. And speaking of back, next time around, we are going back in time for episode 12 with, yes, Brian Cunningham, who was there in the very early days of Wizard. The prehistory of Wizard will be told from his perspective. This is a fantastic interview that has been in the works for a long time. And I will tell you that... After that, we have a Mr. Doug Goldstein. Oh, yes, you know him from Robot Chicken and so much more. So many more of these old stalwarts of the Wizard bullpen who will be sharing their stories with us. And hey, if you're one of them, if you just happen to be listening to your old friend sharing some stories, go ahead and reach out to us on Twitter at Wizards Comics or on Instagram at Wizards underscore comics or send us an email to Wizards_Comics_Pod at gmail.com. Your story deserves to be told. Old, and here we are in this 30th anniversary year of Wizard. We want to get all the details. We want to know all the stories. So, that being the case, I also want to remind you that we have exciting things going on over on our Patreon. If you are listening every week to Wizards the Podcast Guide to Comics and our Wizards half episodes, you might not get even more content for a small contribution to the show. And yes, we have exclusive videos, we have exclusive podcasts, we have everything you could want including. One-on-one interaction with the host. We can get geeky together on a monthly basis. So head on over to Patreon.com/WizardsComics, and you can get all the details there. Find the subscription tier that works best for you. It's all affordable. It is all fun. And until next time, we're closing the file.